Well, good evening, and welcome to this evening's Bible study. I'm John Stonge, and I have a group here with me from all over the United States. We have folks joining us from New Hampshire, and we have some Ohio guests and Virginia guests and Pennsylvania guests, and and uh, maybe we'll see if there'll be some other states that get represented here by the time our training session this evening is is finished. But for our Bible study tonight, we are looking at James chapter 4, and we're going to be studying verses 13 to 17, and we're going to be discussing this idea of the danger of boasting about tomorrow. And that's something that I think we've all struggled with in, in one respect or another, this idea of boasting about tomorrow. I think we've all done it, but uh, in James chapter 4, we see some cautionary notes that encourage us to to really reconsider whether or not we want to make that a pattern. And uh, and I think you'll see why in just a moment. Now, a few initial thoughts here before we dig into the Scripture itself. First of all, when it comes to the future, I think there's a part of us all that that wishes we could predict it with accuracy. I know that that's something that I, you know, I wish I, I, well, I say that I wish that I had the ability to predict the future. I think sometimes uh, it's probably best that I can't. I, you know, sometimes I think, you know, I'm really glad that I didn't spend a whole lot of time thinking about something that ended up coming down the pike uh, and, and probably best that I didn't know about it ahead of time. But what we end up doing is we make our best guesses, but ultimately only the Lord truly knows what's up ahead. So when we're when we're making our guesses that's exactly what they are. It's just a guess. We're making our best guesses, but ultimately only the only the Lord truly knows what's up ahead. Now, sometimes in our prideful arrogance, we might even go so far as to speak of an earthly future like it's been guaranteed to us, or we might uh, begin making great boasts about what we will do or what we will obtain. That's certainly something that is a pattern that humanity at times engages in, and it's something that probably each of us that are that are part of tonight's Bible study, um, we could probably identify moments in our lives where where that's been the case for us as well. Sometimes just in a prideful way or in an arrogant way, we could just make boasts about what we will do or what we will obtain or how we're so certain something is going to come to pass. But when we really think about it, we're supposed to have a different perspective. And one of the things, and I'm just kind of throwing this out there as food for thought right now, we'll we'll save our, our discussion of these things for a few minutes after we look at the Scriptures itself, but one of the initial questions I'd have us wrestle with is, is there any room for this kind of arrogance in the life of a follower of Jesus? Is there any room for this kind of arrogance in the life of a follower of Jesus? I would say there isn't. Uh, in fact, Scripture teaches us in multiple places that arrogance is an abomination to the Lord. I, w- I was actually just this past Sunday preaching from Proverbs chapter 16, and it says that very directly, that arrogance is an abomination to the Lord. And so we don't want to be people who invite arrogance into our mindset or into our thinking or into our behavior. And uh, we don't want to just go about life with a prideful arrogance that basically treats our mindset or treats our opinions as if they are of a of a higher value than the Lord's thoughts. Um, here's another thing to kind of wrestle with, just as some food for thought as we approach the Scriptures here. Have you ever wrestled with this? Do you ever treat the future like it's under your control more than you acknowledge the Lord's sovereign direction? I know that there are certain seasons of my life that I think I was operating as if I was in control, and then the Lord had to remind me that He very much 
is in control. And when you look at James chapter 4, and we're going to be looking specifically at verses 13 to 17 this evening, we're admonished not to boast and not to brag about future things because the Lord's will is much greater than our fantasies, and it's much greater than our arrogant declarations. And one of the things that I really appreciate about the writing style that James used and that the Holy Spirit inspired him to use is that he's very lovingly direct. He's one of those people that tells you exactly what you need to hear, whether you want to hear it or not. And James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17 is very much one of those scriptures. It's one of those scriptures that's confrontational, but it's confrontational in a good way. It's very helpful, and I hope we'll find it helpful this evening. Now, let me start us off by sharing a little bit here from James chapter 4, starting with verse 13. I'm going to read verse 13 down to the first part of verse 14. And one of the things that it teaches us here is that we cannot predict our tomorrows. Look at what it says there with me. It says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. So here you have James teaching us by example that we can't predict our tomorrows. We can't predict the things that we would like to be able to predict. And he uses this example of someone who may approach somebody else and have a conversation and say, hey, today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a town, spend a year there, trade and make a profit. So, you know, frequently I I have met people over the course of my life who tell me that they're going to do this thing or they're going to do that thing or that they have something planned that's going to, to guarantee them some level of benefit. And I often wonder what the the track record of how well those things work out happens to be. I remember uh, when my wife and I bought our first home. Uh, we bought our first home up in the Poconos in, in Pennsylvania. And uh, I was talking with somebody who lived in one of the neighboring homes. We had We had five or six neighbors that were pretty close by. And I was talking to one of the guys there. And he was telling me about this invention that he had made. And he was certain, he was absolutely certain that within a short period of time, it was about to make him a considerable sum of money. And he kept going on and on about all the the beneficial things he was going to do for the community once that money came to him. And I remember at the time thinking, you know, this man's speaking as if this is a guarantee, but he doesn't seem like the type of guy that that this might really be true about. And... um, and then in the end, it ended up being just kind of just smoke and mirrors. This guy was daydreaming. And I guess since I was the new guy in the neighborhood, he he felt like introducing himself to me with with his fantasies, with the things that he was just making up. And uh, it, I was thinking of that even as I looked at, at uh, James chapter 4, verse 13, because James is speaking of this as if somebody's just basically facilitating a fantasy in their mind. You know, this idea of of saying, okay, today or tomorrow, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to go into this place. I'm going to spend this amount of time there, and I'm going to make this kind of profit as if it's a guarantee, as if it's a certainty. And James confronts that thinking. And again, he does this lovingly, but he also does it directly. And he says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. You do not know what tomorrow will will bring. Now, those of you that are listening to this via the podcast, I don't know when you're listening to this, but we're recording this in December of 2020. And I have to tell you of all the years of my life that that 
contained events and circumstances that that I can say I did not know what tomorrow will bring. This year has certainly been one of those years that provides many, many examples. And I'm sure all of us live here on the call tonight uh, can testify to that a year ago. I mean, (laughs) did any of us think that the year 2020 would be anything like it's been? And uh, it's, it's fascinating to think that the things that I thought were were almost guarantees for this year, how how few of them actually came to pass. And uh, James here again, he says in verse 14 of chapter 4, he says, you do not know what tomorrow will bring. So he's confronting the thinking that treats tomorrow like we can predict what's going to happen in it. We can't predict it. We don't have that ability. Um, I had a professor in college who you know, I would imagine in some respects had a personality that was similar to James. Uh, James was known for being a very wise individual that people would take counsel from. And, and many of us considered this particular professor wise and somebody that we would take counsel from. And he would teach history classes. And I, I'm somebody that very much enjoys history. I enjoy reading history. I enjoy uh, watching biographies of historical things. And that's something that's always fascinated me. But admittedly, that's not something that fascinates everybody. I, I would say that many people find history rather boring, especially in a college gen ed class. And Sometimes that professor would get feedback from students where they would say, when am I ever going to use this? They would complain about the things he was teaching about, and they would say, when am I ever going to use this? Or they would even say it more directly and say, I will never use this. I'm never going to use this. And he had a very interesting response to that. He said, that's fascinating that you would say that because I didn't realize that God made you omniscient. I always thought God was omniscient. I didn't realize that he also made you omniscient omniscient, meaning that somehow, you know, a student would profess to be all-knowing, that a student could predict what they would or would not use later in life. And so that used to irritate him, and that was his typical response. And in a very similar way, that's what I see James saying here in, in verse 14. He says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. You are not omniscient. You can't predict tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. And, and by the way, I think that's also one of the reasons why it's pointless to worry about the future. Why should we worry? Why should we be anxious in regard to things that we have no control over and we don't even know what tomorrow is going to bring? I read, I came across this study twice, but a couple of years ago I came across it again, and it was a study on whether or not the things we worry about actually come to pass. And in this particular study, they determined as they were working with people, I don't even know how they were trying to test this exactly, but they determined that 90% of the things that people were worrying about weren't even likely to come to pass. And I think it ended up being that 98% of the things that people worried about were like never actually did come to pass. So they were saying maybe 10% of the things we worry about have some realm of possibility that they might come to pass. But of those, just a small percentage, you know, just 2% of the things that we ever worry about over the course of our life even come to pass. And I think of that even when we look at verse 14. We don't know what tomorrow will bring, and yet we choose to worry, and we choose to make arrogant plans, and we choose to make declarations as if we're omniscient. And so James confronts that way of thinking. And you're going to see in just a second that a big part of what he's confronting here is pride and arrogance 
and a haughty spirit that does not reflect the heart of Christ. When we look at the heart of Christ, Christ demonstrates what it looks like to to be uh, somebody that that demonstrates humility, somebody that demonstrates uh, an understanding of what is and what is not. And we as followers of Christ should adopt his mindset as our own. But a mindset that would boast about tomorrow is not not a Christ-like mindset. Well, look at the second part of verse 14 with me, if you would. When you look at verse 14, so James 4, verse 14, the second part, one of the things that I think we're taught here is that we should demonstrate some humility about the nature of our earthly life. So I think we should demonstrate humility about you know what we know and what we don't know, but also demonstrate some humility about the nature of our earthly life. Let me read that portion of verse 14 for us. There he says this, and again, he says this lovingly, but confrontationally. He says, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And so here he's confronting people, whether it be believers or unbelievers, who go about things as if they can boast about them and as if they could brag about their life, and as, as if they're in complete control of everything that happens to them. And as if they can say, all right, tomorrow this thing is going to happen, and then the next day this is going to happen, and a year from now my life will look this way, and two years from now my life will look this way. And James is saying, no, you don't get it. You're, you know, in, in, the, in the scheme of God's overarching plan, what is your life? He says, you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And when I look at this, I think that this is a verse that's trying to demonstrate the fact that we should demonstrate some humility about the nature of our earthly life. Sometimes we act as if there isn't a starting point and an ending point for this earthly life. We think as if we have all the time in the world here on this earth, and that's not what what has been promised to us. In fact, the Lord has told us in multiple ways throughout the Scriptures that our sojourn, that our journey here on this earth is brief. It's brief. We're here for just a period of time. And the way James describes it, he says, you're just like a mist. Now, I, I'm, I'm here in my office right now, and behind me to the left, I have uh, one of those uh, oil diffusers. I don't know if any of you have one of those in your home. Um, I like it because, you know, here I, I have a basement office, and sometimes if I light a candle to, to make it smell nice down here— um, Sometimes I, after a while, I, I'm, I'm questioning the wisdom of doing that because I'm in some ways filling up this area with, with smoke and things like that. And so I set that uh, oil diffuser there instead, and it, it creates this mist. And so you have this mist that comes up, and it makes the, the office area here smell very pleasant. And, you know, I, I like how it smells. And maybe I'm giving you more information about my life than you wanted, but just the same. <laughs> I thought I'd let you know. But sometimes I'm fascinated. It's almost mesmerizing to look at it because you'll see that mist come from it. And there it is for just a moment, and then it goes away. And right when it's shutting off, it gives off a beep. And so it'll catch my attention when it's running out of water and, and uh, material in it to, to ultimately create that, that mist. And I'll look back at it, and I'll catch that last puff that comes from it after the alarm on it goes off, beeping that it's finished. And I'll see that last puff, and for half a second, you see the, the finale. You see the finishing um, mist come off of it, and then it's done. 
And that's exactly what, what James is comparing our lives to on this earth. He's saying it's like a mist. Your earthly life is like a mist. You see it for a little while. It's there for just a little bit, and then it vanishes, and then it's done. I think that's a very healthy perspective for us to adopt. It's not, it's not a creepy perspective. It's a healthy one where we realize, yes, I have, through Jesus Christ, eternal life promised to me in his presence forever. But my earthly life, the life I'm living right now in the flesh, this is temporary. I'm here for a little while. I have a brief moment in time. I could use this time to glorify the Lord, or I could use this time to try and glorify myself by boasting about what I plan to do or what I think is going to happen. And James is demonstrating or telling us here effectively that we should demonstrate some humility about the nature of our earthly life. Because what is it? He's saying it's, it's brief. You're there for a moment. And then before you know it, it, before you know it, it's over. I even think about. I was looking at uh, something recently that was talking about the lifespan of people who lived uh, hundred years ago, hundred thirty years ago, and just noticing how much brief, how much just how much briefer their lifespan was from what we consider average right now. And I think, wow, that was considered average during their season, and in some respects, it was half of what what people are in, you know, in, enjoying as far as an earthly life now. But even when you look at the longest earthly life and when you compare it to eternity, so let's say the Lord allows you to live to be 120 years old. Well, 120 years old compared to the span of eternity is like nothing. It's just like a mist. It's just like a moment. And so James is encouraging us, be humble about the nature of your earthly life. Don't treat it like it, it has uh, some degree of of permanence. The the nature of the life that you're living in the flesh right now is very much going to change, and the Lord has a lot of wonderful things in store for us. But our earthly lives are for but a moment. And then James goes on a little bit further here when you look at verses 15 and 16 to give us some additional instruction. And he encourages us to be people who submit our intentions to the Lord's will. Now, I want to highlight this for us because I think it's particularly practical, uh, really at any season of life, to submit our intentions to the Lord's will. What does that look like? Well, James is saying that instead of boasting about what we have and what we do and, and what we think next year is going to look like or what tomorrow is going to look like, he says, do something different. He says, he says it this way. He says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. So let me reread that. He says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But he says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. I like this mindset here. I like this idea of, and and this this picture of submitting our intentions to the Lord's will, because I think that's something that demonstrates what it looks like to have a maturing faith. As your faith and as my faith begin to mature, we start to realize that ultimately the Lord's will is supreme. And if he wills, we'll be around here for a while and we'll do what he enables us to do. And if he doesn't will, well, okay, we'll just we'll be in his presence a little bit sooner. But the idea is it's not our will superseding his, it's his will superseding ours. And so you know, ultimately the plans that we make, the things that even we pray about and make requests of the Lord, we want to submit those things ultimately over to the Lord's will. I was, uh, 
referencing in my sermon this past Sunday, maybe some of you already heard it, but I also referenced Christ's prayer in Luke chapter 22. And in Luke chapter 22, Jesus makes the statement, he talks about the fact, he, he says to the Father, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And again, that's the mindset that Scripture encourages us as growing believers to adopt. We want to submit our intentions. We want to submit our will to the Lord because the the reverse or the alternative is boasting in our arrogance. And James here tells us that such boasting is evil. In fact, it reflects such boasting. That reflects the heart of Satan more so than the heart of Christ. So we don't want to boast in arrogance. We want to ultimately submit our intentions, submit our plans, submit our heart over to the Lord. And then there's one other thing that he says as he ends this chapter, and after we look at this here, we'll jump into some discussion related to these things. And I have some questions for us here that I'll be curious to hear what you have to think. But uh, before we get to that, let me just finish up with verse 17 of James chapter 4, because here he encourages us as believers in Jesus Christ not to be people who violate our conscience. And I'll even say this before I read this verse. When we're violating our conscience, what we're ultimately doing is we're ignoring the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to you and to me. If we're believers in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within us. Uh, We've been sealed in the Spirit. We've been uh, indwelled by the Spirit. He lives within us, and He speaks to your mind. He speaks to your heart. He speaks to your will. And we're encouraged in Scripture not to be people who violate our conscience, because ultimately what we're doing is, as believers, we're ignoring the voice of the Holy Spirit, and that's a dangerous path to walk on. And so James says it like this in James four seventeen. He says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. So he's saying, if we know what's right, so let's apply this to what he was talking about. So he's saying, if you know that it's not right to boast and brag, if you know that it's not right to to fail to submit your will over to the Lord, and yet and yet you choose to do what's not right, he's saying, for you, that's that's sin. You're you're now living in direct rebellion against the Lord, and that's certainly not a healthy thing to do. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it's sin. So for us as believers, if we take this instruction to heart, what we're being encouraged to understand is, is that we should not be people who violate our conscience. Now, in a few minutes, I'm going to ask you a specific question about this. I'll save that question for now, uh, but I will come back to it in just a few minutes. But basically, I, I just want us to understand that as believers in Christ, if we violate our conscience, we're effectively saying, all right, Lord, I know you're trying to speak to me. I know you're trying to give me insight. You're trying to give me wisdom. And maybe we've even asked the Lord for insight and wisdom. But if we know the right thing to do, if we violate our conscience, if we know the right thing to do and fail to do it, uh, ultimately, James here is saying, listen, that's not a good thing. That's a sinful thing. It's one of those things that comes from human arrogance, and it certainly doesn't bring the Lord glory. So he encourages us not to violate our conscience. And so when you look at this portion of Scripture here, you have James illustrating for us in multiple ways the dangers of boasting about tomorrow. Rather, what we're called to do is to be men and women who look at our days and say, okay, all the days ordained for me were written in God's book before one of them came to be. And the Lord's designed me. The Lord's even planned that I would live when I live. The Lord has planned where I would live. The Lord has planned who I would interact with. And he's given me the privilege to experience life 
from a perspective where I realize that he's in control and I can try and wrestle him for control of my life, or I can lovingly and faithfully submit my life over to him and then be amazed at what he chooses to do in it and through it. And so James is encouraging us to have that kind of perspective, a submissive perspective, a hopeful perspective, uh, a life that we basically say, I'm not entrusting the care of my life to myself. I'm ultimately going to trust the care of my life to the Lord who gave me this life to begin with. So we don't boast about tomorrow. Rather, we want to submit ourselves over to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to stop my screen share here, and I'm going to bring us all up on gallery view here. And I have a few questions for us here. And again, I'm so glad that you guys are able to join us tonight. And those of you that are listening to the recording of this, joining us on the podcast, we'd also invite you to stop by the website, desirejesus.com. We have a whole bunch of resources and articles and things over there as well that we hope will also encourage you in your walk with Christ. But here's my first question for us. And feel free, anyone that feels led to, to answer this, just jump right in and answer this. But But let me start off with this. First of all, why do you think humanity has a propensity for attempting to predict what will happen to us next? Why do we do that? Why why does humanity have this this knack for trying to predict what's going to happen to us next? Why do we always want to do that? Why do we seem to take that approach? Anyone have a thought on that? Why are we always trying to predict what's going to happen next? Do you think there's a reason for it? The illusion of control. The illusion of control. Yeah. Uh, Sandra, by the way, where, where are you from? Um, New Mexico. New Mexico. All right. You're the first person from New Mexico to join one of our calls. So thanks for being with us tonight, representing your state. So you, so Sandra, you think, you think that this is, um, this in many respects ties into our, uh, like a desire for control that, that we really don't have. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah. The saying what we're going to do like we have any control over it. It's an illusion, but it gives us comfort thinking that we do. Yeah. yeah, We're acknowledging where it came from. And not acknowledging where it came from. Yeah. Knowing that the Lord's ultimately in control and we try and control the things that only he can control. Yeah. Do you think, do you think we try and do that in some ways too, to, to maybe um, uh, prevent like our anxiety or, or do you think, do you think our, our own anxious thoughts have some level of, um, you know, capacity to kind of feed into that? Well, I, I don't know. Um, certainly whenever you think you have control over the situation, you feel more safe, safe in the situation. You feel, um, more able to be, um, effective in that situation. Right. But whether the feeling is, you know, is questionable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're good at kidding ourselves sometimes. I, I, I know that I certainly am good at kidding myself. <laughs> um, good, good. Uh, some other thoughts too. Anyone else want to jump in on that? Why do you think humanity has the propensity for attempting to predict what will happen to us next? Why do we do that? Why is that such a pattern? Andrea, I'm going to pick on you for this one real quick, if you don't mind. What do you do? You have a, an opinion on that? Um, I was trying to think about that, other than the control issue, and I think maybe because that's kind of the way we structure everything. Like you know, we 
We have calendars so that we keep track of what comes next. We, you know, we, we, I, I grocery shop because of what comes next. Like, I, like what I'm planning to have ready for, you know, the next things. I, I think it's just like a, I think it's a, a, a human pattern that, you know, like that's the way we structure things. Yeah. And, and, uh, here's, uh, Here's a, a kind of a follow-up question I'll, I'll ask you specifically. Do you think this changes over the course of our life? Do you think that we try to have more control the older we get? Yes. Um, I don't know. I think it might be a little bit of a bell curve. <laughs> like, I think there might, it might like, you know, when you're a child, you don't really think much of it because it's, like it's kind of planned for you. And then as you become an adult, I think we become extremely focused on that and very much like in the, the desire to control that. And then, I don't know, I think it might go back, you know, like go back down a little bit because when you think about people who are retired, I think one of the things they look forward to is not having to control or plan everything again. So I wonder if it kind of maybe comes back down a little bit. And that could also be a sign of wisdom on their part too, you know, where you realize just how much you tried to control that really wasn't ever in your control. And then you realize, why why do I waste so much mental energy on this? Mm -hmm. Ultimately, I just need to walk in faith. Cool. All right. Um, all right, here's another question for us. Feel free, any, anyone you know that feels led to jump in on this here. Um, another question I have related to, to that portion of Scripture from James. It, by the way, it's just an intensely practical chapter. But how do you think it can be healthy for us to acknowledge that our time on earth is brief? So in, in one sense, that can sound maybe I don't know if it would sound cryptic to anyone. It certainly doesn't need to sound cryptic. But how do you think it can be healthy to actually acknowledge that our time on earth is brief? If you remember, James was describing it like a like a mist, right? And, um, you know, I, as I think about that, I, I, I think, all right, that's in Scripture on purpose. And so I'm supposed to absorb this thought, and I'm, I, I understand that as I apply scripture to my day-to-day life, obviously, you know, I'm going to grow in wisdom and, and in my walk with the Lord. But, you know, what do you think would be healthy about acknowledging that our time on earth is brief? Anyone have an opinion about that? I would like to say something about that. Yes. And, and Annetta, this is your first time with us. Where are you from? Well, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I was actually in your leadership workshop and I signed up online. I followed you. I got your book. <laughs> Oh, great. And, then, and I get your emails every week and I actually have Bible study on Tuesday night. But tonight I was very intentional about trying to at least get in on the back end of Wonderful. your Bible study as well. So well, we're so happy that you joined us. And thanks for joining us from Georgia. We have a good representation of of states here tonight. We've got the West. We've got the South. We've got the Northeast. We don't have uh, no one from Wisconsin, but we've got Ohio. So that's pretty good tonight. Right. So. <laughs> all right. So. So, Annetta, uh, tell us I'll, I'll 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 ask the question again, just for the sake of those listening to the recording, since I got chatty there. But how can it be healthy for us to acknowledge that our time on Earth is brief? So, Annetta, what, what's your opinion on that? 
Well, um, recently I work at a high school in the front office and very and recently um, our principal died suddenly. Him and his wife just went to Puerto Rico and passed away. Um, she oh was my. swimming. She got sucked under. He went in to save her and both of them passed away. And it just kind of um, shook me in that moment. Like, you know what? He was just here and I was just in his office talking to him and now he's gone forever. And um, And so it just shook me to say, you know what? Life is very, very short. It, it helps us to really consider what we're here to do. Mm-hmm. And so um, someone was very sad and they came in, they were talking to me about it. And I said, well, I know for a fact that Mr. Robinson walked in his purpose. He had a very passionate vision about getting children to really grasp education and, and understand how wonderful it is. And so I feel like he definitely walked in his purpose and so knowing that life is brief um it kind of shakes you to say you know what wake up stop coasting and really be intentional and I had some flowers sitting on my desk that my husband had bought me and my sister said all right do you love your dead flowers I said yeah they just keep reminding me that life is short life is short <laughs> yeah you I know you'll you'll you look at that. There's reminders around us all the time, you know, and that's Anetta, That's a that's a powerful example. I, I appreciate you sharing that with us because, yeah, it just it, I mean, it feels so unnatural, too, when you think about how short it is. But yet but yet Scripture reminds us. And I, and I think I think part of it I'll, I'll chime in with with one part of my opinion here, too, um, and just kind of uh, just kind of like, at, you know, add um, a, a thought here, too. I think it's useful for us to recognize the fact that that it that our time on earth is short that it's brief because it reminds us that there's going to come a day when we're going to be standing before God and ultimately we're going to have to give an account and uh and I I think to myself okay time is brief for me meaning I have this brief time to get to know Jesus Christ and to grow in my walk with him and and since it's brief for others and I have this brief time to tell others about Jesus and and to share that hope, because, you know, just like Annetta just shared with us, you know, here you have two lovely people that just went away on vacation and didn't, they didn't come back from that, you know? And so you don't go away on vacation not thinking that you're not coming back from it. But life is brief on this earth. Our time on earth is brief. Anyone else have an opinion about that? Paul, I see that your your uh, mic is unmuted. Share some yeah, of your I, thoughts with I us as well. I was going to share that uh, Scripture tells us that uh, 70 years is a long life Yeah. for those who are strong. Uh, I'm 66, so I'm close. I'm four years away from uh, 70 years. Um, and one of the things I always tell people at, funeral, at funerals, I always reference Thomas Kempis in his work, The Imitation of Christ. Mm-hmm. Because in there he says, if ever you see another man die, make account that you too must pass the same way and never let death take you unprepared. And I always tell people uh, that when Thomas was writing that, I don't believe that he was saying, okay, so you better get right with God or you're going to go to hell. I think what he was saying is we've got a very short time on the earth and there's no time for petty jealousies, uh, for envy, for for any uh, bigotry, anything like that. Uh, we barely have enough time to love one another. And yeah. that's what we really need to concentrate on is loving one another. Uh And uh, as a final thought, I was in Pennsylvania last week uh, because my father-in-law died. Uh, He uh, was suffering with dementia for many, many uh, years. And uh, in the end, 
Uh, he spent his last uh, six months in a, in a care facility and uh, he was a wonderful man. He left a, a tremendous legacy, but uh, in the end, uh, physically, uh, you could recognize him, but he mentally he was already gone. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so uh, if life is fleeting and it goes out like a, a mist, uh, you know, dementia is, is, very, is a very real uh, visible um, uh, experience of uh, life just fading out. And uh, you're having no control over it, no matter how much you think you do. Right. Yeah. As much as we want to think that, that we're, uh, we're in charge of all that comes our way, there's very little that we have ultimate oversight in, you know, and, and, and maybe it's even best to say there's nothing we have ultimate oversight and ultimately the Lord does, you know, he, he, uh, our lives are in his hands and every day is a day that we trust him. You know, if we, if we're using it right, you know, we want to trust him in the midst of it. Anyone else have a thought on, thanks for sharing that by the way, Paul. Um, anyone else have a thought on just your perspective on how it might be healthy for us to just admit to ourselves, to acknowledge that our time on this earth is brief. I think in one sense, it can almost sound cryptic, right? You know, it sounds like, is do we really want to think about this? But yet scripture brings it up. Why does it bring it up? Well, I think it brings it up to be helpful. You know, it's the, it's the right perspective. We know that we, we have eternal life through Christ, but right now we're in the midst of just a, just a very brief season and we want to use it for his glory. Yeah, Paul said, uh, you know, to live is work and to die is gain. Yeah, to live is Christ and to die is gain. You're right. You're right. I'm not sure what better example we can be to others than to show that we um, do not live in fear of death. Right. I mean, and I was in a waiting room with my mom one time and uh, waiting, she was getting some testing for uh, breast cancer. All the women in there were in the same situation. This one woman was just terrified. And um, she looked at my mom and she said, I don't understand how you can be so calm. And my mom told her, you know, it's in God's hands. I'm just not worried. And she said, I, you know, and she acknowledged that she was not a faith. And, um, she said, no, I prefer to have control of my life. And another woman in the room said, I shudder to think about what my life would be like if I were in control. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's almost like, how's that working out for you? You know, <laughs> it's just the example that you can be to others to show that sense of peace and calm, yeah. you know, in the midst of whatever trial there may be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's your, uh, your, your comments, um, that's a great example too. It reminds me, there's a, a gentleman in our church right now who um, he was recently diagnosed with cancer, and um, and he said to me, he said, Pastor, I don't know if you're going to be able to see me in church. I don't, I can't really be around people. I don't think while I'm doing the chemotherapy, so I don't think you're going to see me for the next six months until I finish this. And I also don't think I'm going to feel too terribly well while I'm, I'm getting treated. But he said, I, I just want to let you know, I'll be listening to the live streams and, you know, checking it out online and, and hopefully Lord willing, I'll be able to be back with everybody very soon. And I said, yeah, absolutely. And, and he said, but you know what, my hope is in Christ and I rejoice whatever he decides. 
So he wasn't in church the next Sunday. And then the next Sunday after that, he was back. And I said, well, I said, hey, what are, what are you doing? Like, I, I didn't expect you to be back. I thought you couldn't really be around people. And he said, oh, I kind of just really hate not being in church with everybody. He said, I, I just feel like I'm supposed to be here. So I'll just, I'll keep, I'll keep space from everybody. I'm, you know, I'm all masked up and, and everything else. And, and he said, but I'll, I'll, I'll keep space, but I got to be here. I want to be here. And he said, if the Lord takes me, the Lord takes me. And I, I, I said, okay. I, I said that, you know, that's certainly your call to, I, it, to be honest with you, the decision he made is probably the same one I would have made. And, um, but I also thought it was interesting too. You know, he's been there every week since then. And a couple of weeks ago, he said to me, he said, Pastor, I was looking at the front steps of the church and I noticed that uh, some of the concrete there needs to be repointed. So once I finish up my chemo, if the Lord wills, I'm going to fix those steps. And I said, that would be wonderful. And he said, I don't know if, you know, if the Lord, you know, what the Lord's plans are for me, but if he wills, and I could tell that he had this portion of scripture in mind. Because he's saying, if the Lord wills, if the Lord heals me, if he allows me to get through this, I'm going to fix those steps. And if not, you're going to have to get someone else to fix those steps. <laughs> but that was his plan. And I just loved his attitude. I thought, you know what, that encouraged me. You know, his hope isn't in right now. His hope is in Christ. And he's uh, just able to trust the Lord in the midst of all that. Any any other? Yeah, Desha, go ahead. Hey, a couple. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Hello. You look like you're in a new setting this week. Are I you am. someplace different? Okay. I am. I moved into a different place now. Wonderful. All so, right. Welcome Welcome from your new place. Yeah, about 15 minutes from where I was before. I'm still in awesome. the Jim Thorpe area, but just outside of. So, okay. Awesome. The Jim Thorpe area, Poconos. Yeah. So, yeah. Dash is another Pennsylvania resident. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. All uh, right. I had a couple things come to mind. I, I missed the beginning. I, I was working. Okay. I wanted to hop on. I'm glad I did because... I just think about, um, do you ever hear of the, the dash between your birth and death years, you know, how we're living that dash. And it's, it is such a short time in the bigger picture compared to eternity. And for me, that, that can bring comfort in knowing because sometimes life isn't always easy for some of us. And it just brings comfort and, and gives me hope and helps me to continue moving forward. Sometimes when some days I don't feel like it, some days, um, my hope is in Christ and, it just, it, it's a, it's like, how do I say it? It's almost like we're walking over everything in a sense, um, because through him, it, the worldly stuff in a sense doesn't matter. It's all about him really. And not about Desha not about, um, some of these other things that can get caught up in. And to think that, um, that we're here for that dash and what we're going to do with it is really what's important. Mm -hmm. And to know that we are, uh, going to be in a better place at some point, but to just try to live in today and not worry about tomorrow because they'll have enough troubles of their own. Right. And um, the one, the the verse that really gets me through a lot is to just remember that we're going to be guaranteed our challenges and tribulations, but Christ has overcome it all already. So that just helps bring me a lot of comfort and knowing that this is temporary in a sense, but in a sense, there's gives also that sense of urgency to yeah. do what we need to do in the way we're supposed to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So, excellent. That's all I have for now. <laughs> that for now, you think that's right, and then you're going to have another thought triggered before Probably. you know it. You wait and see. Your all fault right. or whoever's fault that speaks that triggers another thought. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a chain, right? All right. Here, here, here's a, a a third question I have for us tonight. It's actually this is a two parter. So I'll just ask the first part first and save the second part for a moment. But think about this for just a second in in relation to what James said in James four. All right. 
what holds us back in your opinion? So this is kind of an opinion question, but just think about human motives here for a second. What holds us back from submitting our will to the Lord's will? What do you think holds us back from submitting our will to the Lord's will? Don, you had your hand up. Go for it. I think that's all about pride. Pride. Yeah, explain. Yeah. What do you think? Well, with with all this stuff, uh, the, the pride is what, uh, when I was younger and felt I was immortal and didn't worry, didn't think life was short then because I could do anything and uh, didn't even have any concept of my mortality. That was my... Uh, you know, mistaken pride. And also the, I know pride is the opposite of humility and humility is what I get from the realization that my time here is brief. Mm-hmm. And uh, that last question that you asked, the helpfulness comes from the, uh, you know, the realization of my days are numbered, but I'm not the one who knows the number of my days. And so knowing who does know the number of those days that keeps me seeking after him and brings me humility too. And the, the briefness of it and knowing that he knew me when he knitted me together in the womb and he knows when the day will be that I'll breathe my last air. Every day in between should be concentrated and set on him and seeking him. And uh, I'm getting a little bit older too. I'm in the sixties. So I'm kind of glad that is going to be over soon uh, because now I don't feel like I'm invincible and I can do anything. But uh, I think it, and, and it is in James, right? James four ten, that says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he'll lift you up. So when I humbly accept that I'm here for just a brief moment and uh, I'm really as small as like grains of sands on the beach, it kind of puts me in another thing. If I think about the uh, the brief the briefness of my life, with respects to eternity, it helps to give me an eternal perspective rather than focusing on the here and now. And and there was something that I heard that says that uh, rarely is anything that's important uh, urgent, and rarely are things that are urgent very important. I think we get caught up in like a, we have to get to that place and do that thing that, you know, next week we don't even, you know, remember doing it or why we had to do it. But, uh, but then that goes in contrast to the other side of that coin with uh, enjoying one moment at a time and living one day at a time. Uh, that's another thing that I think knowing that my time is short makes me enjoy the moment that I have here now. Instead of thinking about what I'm doing when I get off this call and then tomorrow morning being fully involved in this moment, I get that now from knowing that life is short. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good that perspective. In a lot of ways. Very, oh, a yeah. Lot of ways. Excellent. Yeah, here, here's a test, by the way, to kind of follow up on, on what you were saying there. And I see that Paul unmuted, so I'll get to Paul in a second here. Um, the uh, uh, Don um, you, you had said sometimes the urgent things that we're all worked up about, we don't even remember afterward. They seem like such a big deal. And then we forget. Here's a, here's a quick test. Anyone on the call is welcome to answer this. What did you eat for breakfast today? Who remembers? Because I have to do that because of my. (laughs) All right. No more details, Don. This is recorded. So that's, that's it for the details on the fiber you ate. Paul ate two eggs. 
All right. I just <laughs> oh, right now someone's sitting in their car listening and and saying, who who are who does he have on these Bible studies? <laughs> I, I, I just wanted to comment to Don because he made a he made a comment there that as you get older, you know, it's not as easy to do things. I just want to say, remember, Scripture tells us that I can do all things through God who strengthens me. <laughs> there you go. So you could you could claim Philippians 4.13, right? You could do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So, all right. Very good. Very good. All right. Um, a, a, anyone else have a thought on the first part of that question? I didn't even ask the second part of it yet. The first part was what holds us back from submitting our will to the Lord's will. So the, the big takeaway I took from what Don said, our pride, he, you know, gets in the way of that. And any, uh, any addition to that or any additional thought? No, I, um, I think it's a self-centeredness, um, Mm -hmm. that, that we kind of deal with in this world is we're in the selfie nation, you know, let me just take a picture of myself and post it everywhere because I love myself (laughs) so much. And so I think that self-centeredness, um, keeps us from really, um, being fully submitted to Christ and really giving our will over to his will because it, When when you're self-centered, you you're only thinking about yourself and what you want, and so um that trumps what we really know that God wants from us. True, yeah, very true. And Annette, you've probably noticed this: how uh, each new phone that comes out, it's got a better and better selfie camera than the previous phone had. So yeah, we <laughs> exactly. are like you said, the selfie generation, right? Used to be that the phone or the camera on the back of your phone, you wanted it to be good. Now everybody wants the camera on the front of their phone to be the better camera. Very strange uh, dilemma. Yeah. Uh, Desha, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I think sometimes um, overthinking and Uh um, uncertainty, like whether or not I'm doing the right thing, so to speak, can prevent that as well. Oh, yeah. That's a form of self-centeredness, of course. Um, But if if I'm not overthinking and I try to walk in faith, it's a whole, it's, I wouldn't say easier, but it feel it's more, um, I'm not even sure what the word is I'm trying to find, but um, it just makes more sense um, because I can overthink things to a fault and create a, create scenarios that aren't even there. So I have to be yeah. very careful of that. You know, is this really what God wants? And then, then the wheels start going. It's like, I, I go back to Proverbs three, um, trust in the Lord with trust all my heart Lord. and don't lead on my own understanding and he'll direct yeah. my path. And well, your your comment, believe it or not, so Desha, I don't know if you realize that you could predict the second part of the question, but you you just kind of did it. So you ready? I'm, no, don't mute your mic yet. I'm asking you. You don't even know what it is. All right, but here here it is. You ready? How can it relieve your heart your heart of stress to just submit your will to the Lord? What do you think? You kind of already answered it, but how, how can it? This is the second part of that question. How can it actually relieve your heart of stress to just submit your will over to Him? What do you think? Well, in stepping out in faith, here, here's what I like to go by. When, I, when I'm uncomfortable, that's okay. When I lose my peace, that's when I might be going in the wrong direction. And if I'm uncomfortable, but I still have God's peace, it's a weight off of my shoulders to know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, even though it's uncomfortable. If I'm losing my peace, then I have to take a step back and reevaluate or you know, go prayerfully or um, get into the word and see if it speaks if I'm, if I get something that speaks to me, um, which I usually do, but I go back to Proverbs, uh, three. I just go back to that a lot 
And uh, that actually helps to ease my heart. Um, you know, I just, this move is a prime example. Yeah. Um, it's a as pretty stressful people, thing moving. It was. And just from a childhood home and from my house oh, yeah. where my loved one was. Mm. And um, it just, it was a weight off of my shoulders. And it was actually everything leading up to the sale of the house and getting to this new place that was more excruciating, so to speak, than the day I actually moved here. And it was like, finally, it was, it's like the weight came off. Everything just like the scales fell from Paul's eyes. It's like, finally I can see again and not carry the weight of that um, second guessing through that whole thing. Even though I knew I was doing the right thing, I was still up here second guessing everything. Makes sense. So um, that's where Proverbs three again comes in. If I'm trusting God, I am trusting that he's directing my path as well. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I I have one final question for us tonight, and I see that we're coming up against the clock here, so we only have a few minutes left. But uh, but I, I still want to ask this: um, when you looked at verse seventeen, one of the things that James was encouraging us to understand is that we don't want to be people who ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to violate our conscience as the Spirit as He speaks to us, right? So what what do you what are your thoughts? Like, what happens to someone if they persist? in violating their conscience. You know, if somebody just goes a lengthy period of time violating their conscience, ignoring the voice of the Spirit, what outcome can they expect? What happens if if that becomes a pattern of your life? You get numb to it. Yeah, you get you you just get numb to the Spirit's leading. Okay? Yeah, that's one thing, right? You just it's almost like you get well practiced at ignoring the voice of God. Yeah. What else, Paul? What do you think? Well, you separate yourself because uh, uh, following God is a conscious act. You know, choosing uh, to be a follower, or disciple is a conscious act, and uh, refusing to is a conscious act as well. And uh, you know, God God wants all of his creation, all of his uh, people to be part of his heavenly kingdom, but we all have a choice. And the further we stray, the longer we stray, we're we're making our own bed. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, a, a sad thought, you know, the thought of, of spending your life running from God instead of running toward God, right? It's like this idea of like running from him when we should be spending our time running toward him. You know, I think in many respects, it shows that we we don't understand who he truly is, you know, and and how he truly chooses to uh, and, and delights to to bless his children in so many ways. Anyone else have a have a thought? You know, what what happens if, if someone persists in violating their conscience? Any other thoughts on that? Um, I, I do know that um, my pastors always say quench not the spirit. Yeah. And so yeah. the, the spirit of come, uh, the spirit of God will come in a small still voice in the world is just yelling hey hey over here you know and so um if you're ignoring the voice of god over and over and over that voice is going to get more and more quiet and to the point where it's silent and you won't even hear it at all yeah you're you're listening to the world you're not listening to the voice of god and and you're giving the 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 priorities of this world dominance in your mind it's not healthy i i'll i'll tell you just from just a personal testimony as we finish up here tonight um i have noticed just in my own life, so 
this is what one of the things that I notice if I'm not listening to the voice of God, if I if I'm actually persisting in violating my conscience, even if it's in an area where someone might say, okay, this is like a small area, you know, not a big deal. I've noticed something happens to me. I I feel depressed about it. I feel depressed, and I actually take that as as a sign that the Lord is trying to to nudge me to uh, notice. You know, He's trying to get my attention to notice something I haven't been noticing or didn't want to notice. And uh, it actually it doesn't. You know, it, it it it's almost like if I persist in violating my conscience, I'm forgetting to walk in the joy that I'm called to have in Christ. And um, I find it very uh, depressing. I, I first noticed this and first articulated it that way to myself, maybe about five or six years ago. I, I noticed that I, I really w- went through a stretch there where I don't feel like I was listening to the voice of God as clearly as I should have been. And as a result, I thought, I feel like, I truly feel like it triggered some level of depression in my in my heart that um, that really could only be remedied by listening to his voice, and there was really no other cure for it. And so, you know, I'll just throw that out there in case that's useful to anyone here live on our our call tonight, or anyone who may be using the podcast uh, and listening to this via the recording. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us this evening. I always try and keep our time pretty close to this one hour mark, and so we're at at one hour. Our next online Bible study is going to be on December 22nd, so it's two weeks from tonight, and it'll be at the same time. It'll be the same link. Those of you listening via the podcast, you're always welcome to join us. I'd I'd love for us to kind of test the limits of Zoom here. We're using Zoom to have these meetings, and I have no idea how many people we can have on these calls, but I'd love to find out someday. I'm sure it's a, a decent amount, but it's... Uh, so fun to be able to gather together with brothers and sisters in Christ from all over the United States. So we had really good representation here tonight. We had most sections of the U.S. represented, and uh, sometimes we have a, a a sister who joins us from Hawaii. She wasn't with us tonight, but sometimes she joins us as well. So that's a lot of fun. We've had a few people join us from Canada as well. So if you're listening to the podcast, don't be afraid to join us for our Bible studies. We love to have you. Again, the next one will be on December 22nd, and we're going to be picking up at James chapter 5, verse 1, if anyone wants to read ahead. All right. Well, that's it for us tonight. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. I hope you guys have a wonderful evening and a wonderful rest of your week. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Hello, hello. Quinice Petway here, co-host of the Your Daily Bible Verse podcast. Are you someone who loves to take a deep dive into God's Word, one verse at a time to explore His will for your life, and desire to draw closer to Him? If that sounds like you, I'd love to invite you to head over to lifeaudio.com and search Your Daily Bible Verse to tune in and subscribe for daily inspiration, life application, and spiritual transformation through the in-depth exploration of God's Word.